It's another episode of MLB Morning Coffee coming to you from the Ocean Avenue studios in San Francisco, California. My name is Greg Moraz, your host, as per usual. The housekeeping items, write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. It helps our metrics tremendously. Folks, we have got a very special guest joining the show today. He is a sports content creator that you know very well if you listen to the Snapback Sports Podcast, which at one point reached number one on all sports podcasts on Apple Podcasts. He is of Snapchat fame and a sports content creator you're going to know for years in the future, Jack Settleman. Jack, what is going on today, man? Thanks for joining us. That's a sick intro. I love the energy. I'm so excited. That gets me fired up. With no sports, that's like my pregame walk-up song. I'm excited. Well, hey, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Understand that you've got your hands in a lot of different areas of the sports content field. I wanted to have you on today because you're somebody that understands how to market on social media. You've made a brand of yourself on Snapchat. And right now, Major League Baseball has put themselves in a position to where they are going to need your marketing help. Maybe not you specifically, but somebody that thinks like you in order to recover from, in what my opinion, has been an absolute PR disaster of a negotiation. You're a baseball fan. You're uh, a lifetime Orioles fan. Where do you think baseball has failed throughout trying to restart in this pandemic? Well, it seems like they failed just by not understanding the short-term losses that they could take, but the long-term gains. So I went on this whole rant on our own Snapback Sports Pod just about, okay, if Cubs Marlins is on Thursday night at 8 o'clock, am I tuning in as a casual baseball fan, talking about the general public, right? Realistically, no. And, and, and I'm talking during quarantine when no one has anything to do. No, this is... If it happened tonight, would I tune in? Realistically, no. But where I would see a lot of baseball is ESPN, Bleacher Report, House of Highlights, my Snapchat. So you're going to get the younger generation who now consumes sports through social media on TikTok and Snap, et cetera. And just because the only highlights going on are baseball highlights, you're going to start to see a little. That was the advantage they had right now. I'm not saying your TV ratings are going to take off, but I am saying the game would have easily taken a nice burst and grown off the backs of a playoff campaign where they started to focus in on the players. So that's always key number one, which is a big struggle in the NFL. They're starting to kind of move towards that. Mahomes, Lamar is really solid. But other than that, I'm walking around media row during Super Bowl and Derwin James, I walked by. This is an all pro safety. I had no clue who he is. And I'm a diehard football fan. I couldn't pick out one of the best safeties in the league. But basketball, Kyle Kuzma has four, in, 4 million Instagram followers. And, you know, Taco Fall is a celebrity worldwide. So I think just the ability, the baseball players, they don't play with the helmet on. So you have that advantage. And you got to get on social media and lock down on focusing on these kids. And I think that's where they miss. The owners have to understand. They gave up these short-term losses because they would have lost money doing it for a potential long-term game. Now they're talking about renewing the season or starting the season in September. They'll, they'll be ninth on the charts. No one will post a baseball highlight. You make a really good point there, Jack, because with baseball as the only game in town, they could have monopolized upon the ability to actually put together a full frontal marketing campaign and using guys like a Mike Trout, 
a Mookie Betts. Heck, you can even go on some of the older stars like a Clayton Kershaw mm. to be able to market the game to a younger generation. Where in your – I want to take you back a little bit before this Let the Kids Play campaign. Where do you feel like baseball failed in their marketing campaigns in comparison to, like you said, the NBA where you said every star is really their own brand, but in baseball it seemed like the entity of MLB – failed to market guys like Bryce Harper and Mike Trout, who, if they played basketball, their basketball or football equivalents, they would be the faces of the sport. They, they would be the faces of the world. Like Mike Trout should be the most notable, one of the most notable superstars in all of sports. He's potentially the greatest baseball player ever. LeBron James is a global figure. Mike Trout isn't known by a quarter of America, if not more. So I think where they failed is the game's tough. Uh, they've always been like an old man sport, team sport, keep your personalities in the clubhouse, not on the field, right? The taunting, the unwritten rules of baseball, those rules kind of restrict the personality of the game, which is now starting to ease up on. But in my opinion, if you really look at the way just baseball culture is, they're relaxing in the clubhouse, even if they're having fun. Like we talked to Jack Flaherty and he's a super interesting dude. But we would have no clue because if he doesn't go out and do these appearances and the league didn't want to push their players until they saw the age of social media and they're like, uh-oh, who's going to want to play baseball? Who's going to watch baseball? If they don't know who they're watching, they're just watching teams. And a lot of these teams, only 10 of them are good because only 10 are going to play in the playoffs. So I think that's kind of the old mentality. And they cre- didn't they create BAM to yes. kind of fix that? And then they restricted everything BAM could do. So I I just don't know. One of the biggest problems that I had with MLB and really on the side of minor league baseball where I worked for five years is that they limited the amount of highlights you could post on your social media (laughs) platforms. And to me, I always was phrased like this from a couple of my mentors that are play-by-play guys. You have to be able to call a game when somebody's getting in the car for 10 minutes to drive to go pick up a pizza or pick up their kids from soccer practice or what have you, you have to understand that you are coming into a new audience at every point in time in the game and that people don't have the attention span in a game like baseball to be able to listen for all three hours of a game. And being able to post highlights and post moments to me, is what helps get people from the periphery into the now and be able to take the periphery baseball fan and turn them into a more dedicated baseball fan. And to me, I feel like as somebody like you that works in this realm probably more effectively than I ever will, restricting that just seems like it is stunting the growth of the game instead of having it take off like, other sports have used this ability to be able to expand their reach. Like, you know, the UFC, for instance, like I've never, I've never been a UFC fan, but UFC has capitalized on social media to be able to expand their reach globally. Without a doubt. That's an incredible analogy. I mean, UFC, it has now gotten me to tune in. And this is most of the time pay-per-view events, all of these games on TV, for the most part, they should be, free. I mean, most people have a basic cable package, so you can watch your local team. And now I'm getting to pay for a sport that five years ago before social media really is taking off. I didn't even know about, I didn't even care about. 
I think the one thing to look at, and I always look at this first, is the product good? That is, no matter how good your marketing, your advertising, your resources, it does not matter unless you have a good product. And this is where I think baseball fans can get excited. Playoff baseball is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Can I sit through a three-hour playoff baseball game? Of course. Do the personalities come out, the fans, all of it, the excitement behind it. So you can't even look internally at baseball and say, we must change the game because you don't necessarily have to change the game. Like people love the sport. Now making the games more important, maybe shortening a schedule or making them shorter where each pitch in the playoffs feels like it's do or die. In the regular season, there's lapses and you know that's probably where some people lose interest. But overall, the product works. So what makes playoff baseball work that doesn't necessarily make regular season baseball work as much for the general population? What do you think? I think that it is the ability of the moment to capture the audience. Like, I know you're an Orioles fan, but and I know that this probably hurts, but one of the most captivating baseball games that I remember from the last five years was the Blue Jays-Orioles wildcard game of 2016, (laughs) where the moment, really, the moment that captivated people was the fact that you're sitting there through the 8th, the ninth, the 10th. I can't remember. I think that game went, what, 13 innings? Yeah, 12 or – I think it was 12 when Madison – I forget who comes in and just (laughs) first – oh, Jimenez, I think. Yeah, it was Ubaldo against – was it Encarnacion or was it Bautista? Yeah, I think it was Encarnacion, yeah. But but anyways, the fact that you've got this storyline brewing that Showalter is refusing to bring Zach Britton into the game. And the fact that everybody on social media, like watching Twitter that night to me was amazing because you have national baseball writers and cynics that I knew from my time in minor league baseball. By the way, if you ever want to meet the most cynical, sarcastic baseball fan (laughs) ever, meet a minor league baseball broadcaster that's been doing it for at least five years. But I see everybody on Twitter that is just like enamored with the fact that Showalter hasn't used Britain yet. And that captivated people. That brought people into an interest in the game. And there's certain moments in the playoffs, just the do-or-die atmosphere of it that makes it that much more captivating. I think that one of the things that you've also seen, Jack, and you talk about the attention span of people that are NFL fans where you've got one game a week or the NBA where you've got, you know, half the games of Major League Baseball is that, quite frankly, MLB season is too long. And I think that if you want to capture interest, and I'll be interested to see what you think about this and really maximize your marketing reach, is that you need to be able to maximize the value of each game. And like you say Mm -hmm. about the playoffs, there are fewer games. And because of that, every game means more. So 162 games, people don't think that every game means something. But if people are watching the NFL where every game – means a difference between making the playoffs or not you're going to be more invested to to keep your eyes on it the whole time without a doubt and I don't think we're going to solve the MLB's biggest question which is do we need to change the length of these games I mean the the one thing I'll point to is playoffs in any sport is going to be more interesting we know that so when I say the product's good I don't want to necessarily just focus on the playoffs but I'll bring up a counter to essentially my point, which is, okay, basketball is half the season of the MLB, but 82 games, still a lot of games. And you could easily argue every game does not matter. It doesn't hold 
what uh, a four-game stretch in the NBA is not what a four-game stretch in the NFL is. That's a quarter of your season. So, yes, it's still 2x that. But the Knicks, I'm a Knicks fan, unfortunately. It's tough with the Knicks and Orioles, let me tell you. But I'm a Knicks fan, and we're not good, right? And we are essentially mathematically eliminated by the third week of the season every year. But I'll tell you this, if we draft LaMelo Ball, I'll watch 75% of our regular season games, even when we're out of it, because there's hope, there's entertaining personalities. You want to see these players develop and grow. So you have two problems in baseball. One is, once again, you didn't focus on the players. You're not letting their personalities kind of carry them. And then two, your development, a lot of it is actually in the minors. And to, you can't get people to lock in for the major leagues getting them to lock in for the minors for the promising kids, that's even more complicated. Like you have Zion who gets drafted and then the second he's, you know, healthy enough to play, he's playing and it's all over TV, all over social media. The number one pick in the draft tonight, we won't see him for a few years. That makes it tough to kind of follow those journeys through the league. That's another problem that I'm curious if you have any idea, you know, maybe what they could do to solve that. I think that one of the things that makes baseball different than the rest of the sports is that there is, and I hate to say this in terms of, you know, a racial demographic, but baseball is not very diverse. Mm -hmm. Baseball has got a big Latin American presence, but baseball, at least in the United States, does not have a very big Asian American presence or an Asian presence and really has a minimalized African-American presence. Mm. Whereas in the NFL, which is a majority African-American, and the NBA, which is a majority African-American, you are able to appeal to a mass audience because those are sports that have a higher percentage of minority athletes. And I don't want to turn this into a race conversation because I think that's the last thing that we want to do uh, at Mm. this point in time given everything that's going on in the world right now. But I think that baseball is seen as a very um, unilateral racial sport and that it's not very diverse. And the fact that you're not able to appeal to the entire population of the United States. And also, like you said, the pace of it. Like I always tell people, I worked in minor league baseball as a play-by-play guy for five years. If you offered me a full-time basketball gig, I'd take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> and look, I'm not, tr- I'm not trying to contradict myself here on MLB Morning Coffee. This is a baseball podcast. But basketball's more fun because it's a higher pace. And I think that when you look at baseball, baseball is a niche audience. And baseball has to be able to – baseball's problem is that it's doing things that are trying to get people – to gravitate in all at once. Well, that's not the nature of the game. Right. Baseball is a game that you have to appreciate sequencing, sequencing of pitching. Like, what do you throw in an 0-2 count? Uh, do you throw a chase pitch up and away or, or a breaking ball low and in? Uh, you know, the art of the hit and run. You know, studying on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS. You know, everything that comes from Moneyball and books like the MVP machine. That's a niche audience. That is right. not going to appeal to the more common fan. And so baseball's biggest problem is that, to me, it doesn't appeal to the average sports fan. The average sports fan needs to feel like they can get invested, and baseball is just not a game that lends itself to that, which is why when I talk to people and I get really intricate about baseball, 
They're like, I can't really follow it that closely. Well, I grew up as a niche baseball fan. A lot of people didn't. But a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't need to know a ton about football or basketball to really be that interested in it. I think one of the things baseball could do is because we, we're comparing a lot of leagues here and a league I'd throw into the ring that might actually match up with baseball's values is the MLS. Take us back five, 10 years ago. If I, I mean, I grew up playing soccer. That was my sport. And when I started watching English soccer, when they brought it to TV in America, you know, it's 9 a.m. It's tough. Like you got to wake up early. You got to watch the game. You don't really have a team. It's, it is easy to comprehend, and there's probably less analytics in the sport. But the conversation was, soccer's boring. It's one nothing every game. It's 1-1. There's ties, right? And you've seen that conversation change big time. Like, now you look at Seattle and Atlanta. Like, those fan bases, they're niche, but they are diehard and rabid. I think baseball – is playing in the middle, right? Like they have the diehard baseball fans like you who love the numbers, they love all of that, you love your team, but they're also trying to market to, let's get like the new fans, let's do this. Why not try and get a million diehard fans per team like soccer's trying to do versus potentially just go, okay, we want, we want, it's hard to acquire a customer who's gonna tune in for 12 baseball games over the course this season. And you have to then get 15 of them, or you could acquire four customers who are going to watch half of the games. I think that's a better business model. And there could be a way they could figure out how to do that. I agree with you there completely, Jack. And we're here with Jack Settleman, sports content creator here on MLB Morning Coffee. You can follow him on Snapchat at Jack Settleman, subscribe to him on there, and also listen to the Snapback Sports Podcast which he does weekly with his buddy, bi-weekly, right? You guys do two episodes two, a week? Two a week, yeah. With his buddy Abe. And Jack, I think you bring up an interesting point when you're talking about the age of certain fans. Your brand, in terms of a content creator, appeals to people that are of the, I, I can't really think millennial generation at this point, but basically, you know, the millennials to the Gen Zs. Mm-hmm. And the biggest problem that I think that baseball has is that, Baseball is a sport that is more popular among baby boomers and the 50 plus than it is of people that are our age. So I think that when you look at baseball's marketing problem and you look at how our generations have gravitated to sports on social media, baseball needs to be able to make a bigger impact on social media because their fan base is going to end up dying out and they're not doing enough to be able to get people like me and you of our mm-hmm. age group and people even younger than you to grab onto the game for life. Let me give you one more uh, idea that just – not idea, but something that just popped in my head. So you follow, obviously, more than just baseball. You follow basketball. So there's highlights on social media. But what else is there on social media and basketball? You got them walking in the tunnel – And the fits, league fits is this big new craze. You have the shoes that they're wearing. You have the off the court drama. They're playing video games now against each other. Baseball culture is actually really strong. There's the, there's bat flips. That's more on the field stuff. But I follow a couple baseball accounts that just talk about the general culture. You got uh, the rain delay fights, right? Like stuff like that. That's really fun. And baseball fans love that's not actually focusing on the game. 
you could dive into that as well. And you could double down on that. Like for every one baseball meme account, there's 20 NBA ones. Like why not put some money if you're the MLB by actually creating the, like they did a beautiful job with cut four. Do you follow cut four? I do. I do follow cut, cut, four. It's cut probably, four. It's probably the only account that is run by major league baseball Although I think Cespedes Family Barbecue is probably right. has some MLB influence at this point, but really just those two are, are all you That's got. That's it. That's literally it. And you can't expect two small Twitter accounts to carry, you know, the sport, but you can see that there's a ton of progress and people are interested in the stuff. Like, it's not like they're not, it's not like those accounts aren't successful. So now if I'm the MLB, I'm making 10 cut fours and they all have different voices and that's how I'm kind of pushing the game. Jack, I just thought of this, and I want to know your thoughts. And I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is going to be, but I want to hear it from your mouth. A lot of these proposals that are being put forth by the Major League Baseball owners and the Players Association are going to allow players to be interactive on broadcasts. We've seen this during spring training the last couple of years where players have been mic'd up. It seems like they're going to take that to a different level if and when they get this season off the ground. And I say if because I'm not so sure that a baseball season is going to happen this year, mm. which is why it bothers me that somebody like a Bob Nightingale keeps writing that there will be baseball. I'm like, Bob, you don't know that. <laughs> uh, where like Jeff Pass or Ken Rosenthal understand that this is all speculative. So my question to you is, Jack, even though it may only be in place for this season and potentially next, how beneficial would it be to the growth of the game to have players permanently mic'd up and be an interactive part of broadcasts. It's extremely beneficial as long as you get one of two things. So one is a unfiltered non cookie cutter conversation, which is how we always try to do our podcast. When we have a guest on, we're not trying to make it sound like a press conference. We're not trying to ask them about the question they've been asked 12 times already. We want to do our research and really dive into, you know, what is their personality? What is going to be an interesting conversation? So same concept when you mic up these players. Are you just going to have announcers talking to them? Or are you going to have coaches that are just like, they won't say anything on camera because they're now on camera. So that's one side of it. And then the second is, okay, if you don't want to give that unfiltered access, can you be, these are the greatest players in the world. Can I now hear how they think about the game? Because the, the broadcasters are great, and they are a lot of past superstars, but can I hear Mike Trout talk about why he's lining up at this point in left field or center field, uh, you know, shaded a little to the left? Can I hear about all those conversations, the encouragement, the dugout, the funny jokes? Are we getting an unfiltered or really high-level access to these players, or is this just a PR thing and we're going to mic them up and when Mike Trout hits a home run, he's going to say, yeah, and run around the bases. So I think that you bring up an interesting point about filtered versus unfiltered. I think that with the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, mm -hmm. that ESPN made a very good conscious choice yeah. to have one version that was censored and one version that was not. Because, look, I don't swear on my podcast normally. But I don't think it's going to really affect that many people if you hear an F-bomb or the word shit or something. <laughs> it's not going to make that big of a difference. If you don't want to hear any swear words, 
go listen to another version. Like, I think that if you had baseball players unfiltered, you would feel like you're more a part of the experience. And that's what I think is the key for baseball to be able to market itself better is make the fans a part of the experience in ways that the NFL and the NBA can't. Because we've heard, you know, inside tracks on TNT with the NBA, and we hear a couple of things mic'd up on the field, at least in NFL Films presentations. If baseball is able to find a way to have players constantly mic'd up throughout the game, and the director and the technical director are able to, to pinpoint, you have a couple extra sound directors that are able to say, hey, let's pick up this conversation here between the first baseman and the runner that he's holding on. That is going to capture people in a way that baseball never has before. I mean, it, it would be virtually impossible because of the Astros situation. But imagine game three of the World Series. I mean, you have a mound visit, and I'm listening in to that conversation. That would just, I mean, that would make the sport explode. That clip would be everywhere. Can you give that much access and its secrets and its, you know, strategies? Maybe not. But I don't know. Even a lesser version of that, I think, is really exciting, which is why Mikey and players, I don't see it as a negative unless, like I said, it's woo and yay whenever they hit a home run, and that's all we're getting. We are here with Jack Settleman, sports content creator on the snapback sports podcast and mlb morning coffee conversation i don't know why i just decided to say that your podcast was fine i didn't need <laughs> for it to come out that way but in any event i'm actually having some iced coffee out of a beer mug right now nice. um i know if you probably saw me drinking this this is iced coffee this is not beer don't worry i'm not uh i'm not hitting it hard that early but i'll tell you what man the pandemic has really made me uh you know, depressed in that way because it's June 10th when we're Mm -hmm. recording this. This episode's going to debut on June 11th. It was three months ago today, if we're talking about when you all are listening to this on June 11th, that all the college basketball tournaments shut down and the NBA shut down and everything just came to a screeching halt. And for me, this is the time of year where I'm in the middle of a baseball season back in my broadcasting days and that I can come home and watch a Giants or an A's game or where whoever I want with MLB TV. And that's not there. Mm -hmm. That hasn't been there for two and a half months. Opening day was supposed to be March 26th. How are you personally handling the fact that there's no sports going on right now? And the fact that we should be in the middle of the NBA finals, we should be in the middle of baseball season the, hockey, the, the Stanley Cup should be just about wrapping up, and we're getting ready to talk about football training camp. Like, what has it been like for you in this period where you keep expecting something that's not there? Well, it feels like we're headed in the right direction, so I'll start off on a positive note there. Um, not necessarily with baseball, but with sports in general. Um, but I think that this time has been an opportunity for me to kind of put my head down and get stuff done that I've never been able to do before. But to tie this back to the greater conversation, what I've been doing is creating a ton of YouTube content. And the YouTube content right now that's hot is reacting to highlights, reacting to game highlights, playing video games. And when I go and look at the sports that are growing, it's basketball because 
people because those highlights are out there and the clips are out there and they're allowed to react. Adam Silver doesn't care if people use his highlights. He understands the benefit of that for the game globally. So the top YouTube creators are just watching highlights, making funny reactions. There's no reason why the MLB couldn't do that. When you have the, uh, the voiceovers or the lip syncing, they do that with the NFL. Baseball's done it. Those have been successful. And then video games. I think the MLB actually did something cool with MLB The Show and the Players League. That was awesome. But how do you carry that momentum when everyone I'm watching on YouTube and the stuff I'm creating is NBA 2K, is Madden, is FIFA. It's sports outside of MLB The Show. MLB The Show goes dual platform next year. I think that'll be a nice boost. But how can the MLB encourage people to create content? How can they give it a boost? How can they pay people to make content and get the top creators in the world talking about their sport, not necessarily others? Well, you make a good point there, and it's the fact it all starts with leadership. Adam Silver has been the most Mm -hmm. progressive commissioner in all professional sports, and I don't think it's going on a limb by saying he's by far the best commissioner in all of major professional sports. Rob Manfred has been highly criticized, and rightfully so, for being a more restrictive commissioner. And when you're talking about the ability to create alternative content that isn't just the game on the field, MLB put itself in a position to where they weren't going to do that by restricting use of highlights, by restricting media rights, you know, however you want to put it. And I think that you need to be able, if you're Major League Baseball, to look at yourselves in the mirror. This is the biggest problem that I have with the way that baseball's run. The NBA looked at itself in the mirror and understood that they could capitalize on their reach globally by being able to expand the type of content they allow not just themselves to make, but others to make. MLB hasn't gotten to that point yet, and if they can, I feel like that is going to end up being the saving grace of the sport that, without it, could end up dying a death in the court of public perception. I talked to Zach Campbell. You're familiar with him? The, yeah. The, the famous baseball catcher. Um, not catcher, ball catcher. And he, you know, I was curious off the air. I was like, what is your relationship with the MLB? Like, theoretically, you should be one of the bigger people they support. Like, you're an incredible content creator. You're going to have millions of subscribers on YouTube. You have press on you. You have experiences, all that. And he's like, you know, like we've done some stuff together, but they're just not, you know, they're not encouraging. Whereas you look at basketball and they have anyone who's ever been had 50,000 followers on Twitter gets invited to the NBA finals, gets put in a suite, gets the tweet about the game, gets all access, gets press, you know, all that type of stuff. And it just is curious why baseball wouldn't encourage their creators and help them, give them the access, help grow and promote the sport because TV is no longer how kids are discovering sports. You're not flipping on, you're not stumbling onto a baseball game tomorrow. You're, maybe you see it on social media, maybe you see it on your favorite YouTube channel, maybe you see a funny clip on TikTok, but you're not going to discover the sport through, through just a television screen. So it's very interesting what their next move is because I at least saw progression with the campaign last year. They understand the concept, but we need to focus on the players, not necessarily the teams. But can they take that next step and that next step and that next step like an Adam Silver has with the NBA? 
Just a couple more questions for you here, Jack. We're with Jack Settleman, sports content creator on MLB Morning Coffee. Are you familiar with Tim Dillard's uh, social media account? I'm not. I'm not. So Tim Dillard is a longtime Brewers minor leaguer. He has been up and down between the bigs, or at least he was more in the early 2010s. And he makes all of these funny parody videos based on different movies, different scenarios. He tried to be Mario. I, I highly recommend you go check him out. He on Twitter is at Dim Tillard. He's got Snapchat platforms, Instagram, what have you. His Twitter account got bopped last year because apparently he was using too much copyrighted music in his posts. And this account, which had, you know, a minor leaguer with over 60,000 followers is amazing. A guy that is basically a fringe major league baseball player and MLB did nothing to help his account get unblocked for what he saw was unjust reasons. He wasn't doing it for anything other than to make a parody. And I think that, in my opinion, and I want to know, this is where I segue into my question. I feel like MLB needs to be able to hire people such as, you know, people that work in the realms like yourself or other people that are well-versed in social media that can really help the league and the players be able to build the same types of brands that the NBA and the NFL had. Would you agree? I, without a doubt, that is the future of the sport is people tune in. Well, at least my generation does. They tune in for the entertainment. And if they don't know who's entertaining, how many people go to a box office and see a movie just because of who's in it? Like, it's going to be good because the players are good and because the actors are good. But you're going to see the star actors. Just think of it the same way if you're the MLB. We're tuning in for the players. If I don't know who Mike Trout is, every kid in America needs to know who Mike Trout is. Every kid should know. They know who LeBron James is. They should know who Mike Trout is. They know who Patrick Mahomes is. They should know who Mike Trout is. So you got to double down on the players. And think creatively about, like what I mentioned, baseball culture. Dive into that. Uh, Baseball cards. That's an interesting one. I'm huge in sports cards right now. Phil Hughes has really taken off with his uh, sports cards content. And he's becoming a bigger personality in the world than he ever was as a baseball player. Everyone has him. What cards do you have in front of you? So I've got a, I found it at my parents' house uh, when I was cleaning some stuff out a couple of weeks ago. For my eighth birthday, I got the Topps 2000 complete set. And for some reason, they were in a shoebox. Look what I got here. And for those that are listening, you're not going to be able to find this. We've got a third year Dodgers, Dodgers, Adrian Beltre card. That's pretty cool. Oh, this is awesome. I'd love to, I've actually, I've got to organize all of this stuff here. But like you were saying, man, yeah, baseball, like I was a huge card collector growing up. And that's, and that's what, that's what got me into the love of it. And so maybe, you know, something of, of the, you know, the e-card collection, being able to accumulate some sort of equivalent uh, in a social media rewards type thing. I don't know how you would do it, but yeah. there are ways that you could do it. Yeah, baseball cards, I feel like, will always be a, a part of baseball culture. And I'll give you an example. So during the last dance, Michael Jordan rookie cards are blowing up. And the price for a PSA 10, which means perfect condition, uh, was like $100,000. Like it went from 50K to 100K just during the documentary. So there's all this hype. You have basketball Twitter tweeting about it, Darren Ravel, you know, sports business covering it. 
A Mike Trout rookie card just sold for almost a million dollars. A million dollars. Do you realize how big of news that should have been in the world? I got an Apple News alert, right? Apple News, I don't read Apple News, but I know somehow they're programmed in my phone and I automatically get their alerts. So I'll read them every once in a while. And they thought it was big enough news that that, that Trout card sold. But that's kind of the end of it. How do you carry that momentum? You would think Mike Trout's card sells for a million. That's going crazy. Mike Trout should go buy 10 of his rookie cards and own them. That's going to blow him up. Like there's so many fun, creative ways that are integral parts of baseball that you just got to now, the players need to take advantage and they, they're starting to. Ian Happ, super awesome. That He's doing a little compound thing with all the guys he was training with during quarantine. Flaherty's super active. But now not only do you want to help the players the best you can, you need the MLB to fully push them, motivate their guys, get their team social accounts. If they do something cool, retweet them. Like encourage those practices the same way we do across all sports. And then you can really run with, you know, highlighting the personalities. Final question for you, Jack. And we're here with Jack Settleman of Snapback Sports. If Major League Baseball is able to get going this year, do you think – their social media strategy can save the reputation that they've effectively built for themselves during this time period. Can they save themselves from what has ultimately been a three month long PR disaster? Yeah, it's getting ugly out there. The funny thing is you're probably, you probably follow a ton of baseball accounts. I follow the bigger ones, right? The cup fours, right? Stuff like that. So one of the benefits of them not having an insanely obsessive Twitter following or presence is that to the general public, the general public doesn't actually understand how ugly it is right now. Like you have players tweeting out, like, we just want to play. Let us play. The owners suck. You're doing this. You're doing that. It feels like a lot when you're in it. If you look full scope, it's really not the PR nightmare that it feels like, right? Like if baseball came back, you can kind of almost sweep it under the rug to the general population. So you do have that positive social media. It can't fix everything, but it can help. It can change public perceptions for good or for bad in a half a second. Like there's a, um, I always make this comparison, like Ben Simmons, he is so good at the sport of basketball, but because of NBA Twitter and memes, the general fan, and I know this because I post and then I get comments back think Ben Simmons isn't good. This is an all-star leading one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And they think he's not good. That's the power of social media. So to think, so to answer your question, could social media help save? It could completely flip it. Highlight Soto is electric. Like his little lean in every time he takes a ball, like that, that stuff's so fun. And it's just not fully out there. He had to be on the biggest stage. You know LeBron's powder. You know Dwayne Wade hanging under the rim. You know KG hitting his head on these aren't things that are happening on the court. It's off the court stuff. Start to dive into these personalities and yes, social media will take the sport to a whole nother level. Jack Settleman really appreciate your time today. Thanks again for joining us. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Jack Settleman of the snapback sports pod. Make sure you follow that and subscribe to that. Make sure you follow Jack on Snapchat. You can search him Jack Settleman. This has been another edition of MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. 
Have a great rest of your day, everybody. And as always, we will catch you in the AM.